This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode features explicit language. It also features discussion of, though not depiction of, sexual assault. Arden is brought to you by Wayface Industries, who are just the worst people in the world, honestly. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured piteous overthrows do with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which, but their children's end, naught could remove, is now the hour's traffic of our stage. The which, if you with patient ears attend... What here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. Act One, Scene One, The Ocean Where They Met You can't come? But the whole class... No, and it sucks. Is your mom being a bee again? You can say bitch, you know. Mm, I like bee more. Maybe for your mom. My mom, though? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... She's doing another movie. Wants me to come along and observe. When are you going to tell her you're not going to be an actress? Tomorrow? (sighs) Never. Probably. You're good at it. At least. For what it's worth. Hey, hold on. Who's that? Who? Oh, that guy? Mm, He came with Tyrell. I don't know him. I think they're in some sport together. Did he seem cool? He's just staring into the water and writing in a notebook. He's probably creepy. So, go find out. No! Hey! Hey, you! No! Yeah, you! (laughs) Me? My friend thinks you're cute. (sighs) Natalie, I do not. Well, I'm I'm not uh, cute. I mean, uh, nobody thinks so, at least. We just wanted to know what you were writing in your notebook. Oh, this? It's, um... I'm supposed to write a sonnet for English class, and I thought maybe the ocean would inspire me. Is it working? Uh, here's what I have. Um, the ocean is blue, and so is my heart. And then I've just written down a bunch of words that rhyme with blue. (laughs) (laughs) That's it? That's it. How about, the ocean is blue, and so is my heart... Because I'm missing you and your terrible fart. (laughs) (laughs) Just one fart and I already miss it. (laughs) Well, must have been memorable. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm Julie Capsum. 
And you are? I'm Ralph. Ralph Montgomery. My name is Julie Capsum, and when I was 13, I met a boy. And plenty of people find their first love at that age. But this was different. It took both of us a while to realize how much we counted on each other, and eventually all we had was each other. And then everything started to fall apart, and I've spent the last ten years of my life trying to find a way to put it back together. What happened that Christmas night? How could someone that well-known, by which I mean me, vanish in the United States in the 2000s? And why won't any of you let this case go? You want answers? You want the mystery to be solved? Well, I'm about to do that. Join me, won't you? As we unravel the mystery on Arden. And then maybe you'll leave me alone. Act 1, Scene 2. A year later, after a screening of Jane Austen Fight Club. So you did that? You did all of that? You, like, kicked that guy in the head? Yeah? You scared of me yet? Well, I mean, you said, let's go to the movies, and then you took me to a movie you were starring in, so I am wondering if you're obsessed with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you don't have to worry about that. I'm definitely obsessed with myself. (laughs) Um, so, was this a, a date? <sighs> Ralph. I just, um... I, I told you. I like spending time with you. You're cool, and you're funny, and you don't complain when I want to go see my own movie for the 100th time, unlike Natalie. I, I, I'm and just I, asking because if it is, I should probably tell my girlfriend about it. Oh. Oh, you're a... Yeah, I, I kind of started going out with someone while you were gone. Oh. Good. Cool. Good, good for you. Her name's uh, Rosie from my algebra class. We, I mean, we just went out for ramen. But You I, take I think, all the girls for ramen? Well, I didn't know it was our uh, thing. Um, anyway, she's fun. You should meet her sometime. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I, uh... <sighs> I thought it was a date. Oh. oh. I thought... I don't know what I thought. Uh, I, I guess I thought if you were interested, you would have... I probably should have said something by now, huh? Julie, girls like you, they don't date, um... Guys like you? Yeah. <laughs> of course girls like me do. And anyway, you don't get to make that decision for me. Okay. <sighs> Ralph, let's hey, Thanks just... for the movie. It was, it was fun. You're an idiot, Julie. Idiot. Act two, scene one. A villain appears. My goodness, Julie. Sit up. Mom, I'm not going to get it. Evan Rachel Wood exists. She'd be perfect for... Mr. McPherson would love to see you now, Julie. Good luck, Jewel. You're not coming? You've got this, darling. I know you do. Julie Capsum. Oh, my God. I just watched My Fiend Flicka last night, and I said, who is that girl? Didn't I say that, Gary? You sure did, sir. Gary's my agent. He's here to make sure this is all above board. It's important you feel comfortable. It's really okay. You hear that, Gary? She said it's okay. Wonderful. You kids have a great time. So, My Fiend Flicka. 
The horse is evil. If you watch the full movie, you'll realize it was the old real estate developer who disguised himself as a horse and I only got about 20 minutes in. I made it 10. Enough to see that you were truly magnificent, though. Did you read the script? Guinevere? Yeah, it's it was... a mess, I know. No, I I thought uh... You can say it's a mess. Okay, it's a mess. But it's about 9/11, right? My my perceptive. I love that in a woman. It's just a way bigger part than I've ever done and uh... If you could make me believe in the fiendish flicka, Julie Capsum, you can make me believe in anything. <laughs> Thanks. But the horse was the real MVP and No. The horse was trash. Absolute. Can you not sit by me? Sorry. <laughs> the couch is better for my back. I can stand. Or sit over there. If I it's want just... you to be a star, Julie. We can do great things together. I appreciate that. And it would be a super honor to be in your movie. Julie, but... can you just sit down? Your pacing is making me nuts. I'm sorry, but no. The part is yours if you can just sit down. Look, I'm folding my hands in my lap. I'm making myself a tiny little nubbin of a man. You can sit as far away from me as you want. How is this necessary? This is a movie about a girl who excites everyone she meets. I need to be near you, to feel your energy. I need to feel what it's like to be in your presence. You do have an energy, Julie. A good one. Yes, I can see that. Act 2, Scene 2. The Fight. Because it's your entire summer. You really want to spend your entire summer making this stupid movie that you seem weirdly non-psyched about? What do you care? Well, you go to school in France. Hanging out with you involves an elaborate system of of smoke signals and and carrier pigeons. I come home as often as I can. And if my parents found out about you... Found out that you have a good friend that you like to spend time with? You're not the type of person... Are you embarrassed by me? No, of course not. They're just snobs and control freaks and kind of terrible people. How's your girlfriend anyway, Roxanne? Rosie. We broke up. Nuts. That's too bad. How's that one guy, the the rock band guy? (laughs) You fell for that? I expected more from you. I read about it in my sister's Teen Vogue. They said you're a hot. Good for me. It was a stunt. Most of these things are. Well, so are any of these guys, like, real? There's one. Good for him. I'm talking about you. I know. (laughs) If you're ever interested... Yeah, got it. I can be your secret lover. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer sugar, baby. Julie... Look, did I ever tell you how my parents met? Considering I've never even met your parents. My dad goes up to my mom first day of junior year, and he's like, Did you know I have a pencil that never breaks? Wow, she says. And he hands her the pencil, invites her to break it, and of course, it's just a pencil, so she snaps it. (laughs) Right right in half, and, and he turns right back. Smooth as can be. Oh, wow. You must be really strong. (laughs) Not bad. Let me see where you get your charm. Well, that's not my point. My point is what my mom told me later. 
that every relationship, even the best relationship you can think of, is that pencil. You hand somebody something of yours, could be small, could be big, could be precious, could be worthless, and you ask them to break it. And after that happens, you know where you stand. Dark, but okay. If you're going to break my pencil, I at least want to know your heart was in it. My heart is in it. So in it. We're in a Vaughn's parking lot in Santa Clarita, not exactly public. I won't break your pencil. That's not a promise you can make. Or keep. Look at me. Look at my face. I won't break your pencil. You're stronger than you look. We are. Stronger than we look. You know where to find me, Julie Capsum. Wherefore art thou, Ralph Montgomery? Right here. Trick question. Wherefore means why. Oh. So they tell me. <laughs> look, you want to hang out? I could probably get you a part in the movie. I'd... I'd uh, like it if you were there. Uh, I, I tried out for the school musical and was laughed out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Can you stand in the background of things? Because I might be able to swing that. You call, and I come running. I'll take that as a yes. Act 2, Scene 3. A late night phone call. The R girl, Ro- Roxy... Rachel, Rosie... Rosie. And she's long gone, so it's not that. Then he really does have enough pride not to let you bulldoze him. I know. It's a real pain. (sighs) Okay, ask yourself this. If he was anybody else in the world, would you even care about him meeting your parents? If he was anybody else in the world, he wouldn't be Ralph. Alright, your parents suck. Of course. But since when do you care about what they think about anything? I'm not worried what they'll think about Ralph. I'm worried what he'll think about them. Oh my god. Julie, just get it together. Just hook up with the guy already so you can stop calling me at three in the morning. I'm trying. It's really not like you. I know. If I knew what was wrong with me, I'd... Hold on. Oh, no, 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 no. If you hang up, I am going to... A picture of a pencil? You can't see this now, listener, so let me set the- no, dude. My episode. As you like it. It was from Ralph. A picture of a pencil. It took me just a couple of seconds to realize what it meant, and in those seconds... How he got past the security system, I don't know. Where he found a pebble in our perfectly manicured lawn, I don't know. What made up his mind so much that he was standing there on a cool May evening, getting drenched by sprinklers, I don't know. But he was there, a full story below, cell phone lighting up his face, and he was smiling. And God, I hope I never forget that smile. I hope if my brain turns to Swiss cheese, it's the last thing to go. And he smiled then, at me, and his text? Okay, I'm ready. And hers. Okay, I'll be right down. 
Act 3, Scene 1. The Disaster. Come on, come on, come on. Pick up. Hey, it's Natalie. God damn it. Hey! Hey! Come back here! I need... Keep it together, Jewel. Keep it... Ralph? Hey, Julie, why, why'd you call... Where are you? I, I was at a movie with Vince. I need I... you to come get me. Is everything okay? No. That's it, drink. This coffee tastes gross. You need to stay awake so we can get to the police. Police? Yeah, you were drugged. How you stayed awake and made it to the Beverly Hilton on foot, I don't know, but... I'm the... the greatest fucking person you know. So you are. How many times is he called? Kale? Five now. That's good. That's evidence. Should I answer? Tell that piece of shit... No, he wants to figure out where you are, try to convince you nothing happened. Yeah, well, something happened. Well, do you need more coffee, or are you ready? For what? To go to the police. Oh, you think we're actually doing that? Why wouldn't we? Number one, it was a party. Lots of people there. I can prove I was drugged, but I can't prove Kale did anything to me. Can't even prove he handed me the drink. Number two, once we get to the bedroom and he has his gross hands on me, it's his word against mine. Do you think they'll believe me? I'll tell them how he's been to you on set. What? That he tells me I'm beautiful? You're 17 and he's... What? A pervert? A jerk? A gross old man? No matter what you say about him, there is so much worse out there about me. No way is he worried about his reputation being tanked by someone whose top Google result is counting down to my 18th birthday. Half those cops won't blame him in the slightest. So what are you going to do? Show up for work on Monday. Show up for work? Give the best performance of my life. Make sure I'm never alone with him and avoid all of his fucking parties. No, this isn't right. All I have are bad choices, Ralph. Even if I had all the evidence in the world and could go to the police, this would go to the tabloids. And do you think they'll take my side or the side of a beloved American auteur? People will believe you. No, they won't. You can't say that... Because I knew about Kale. In my gut. And then some of the women on set were like, oh, don't go to that party. And I didn't believe them. Or me. It's just how it is. And I'll say something. My secret Van Nuys boyfriend, who lives in a tiny apartment with his whole family, and deals drugs? I don't deal... Ralph, I know. It's supposed to... It's just a little pot. Nothing bad. I'm just saying, that's how they'll spin it. And they will. Thank you for coming. I mean that. For you, anything. Are you crying? No. I'm fine. Julie... It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Julie, you were... But I'm fine. You don't think that's a little fucked up? It's how it is. I was in a bad situation, and I got out. And you saved me. You jumped out that window. You saved yourself. But you drove the car. You call? I come running. Act 3, Scene 2. Aftermath. I know what you're thinking. I should have made a bigger deal of it. I should have called the police. I should have done something. But I did do something. I compartmentalized. First, I thought, just get through the shoot. And then, to get through the rest of the summer. 
and then to get through the school year. And yes, I cracked sometimes. I fucked up here and there, but fucking up when you're 17 and 18 is indistinguishable from just being a normal 17 or 18 year old. So if I got a little too drunk or partied a little too hard or drove my car into an Abercrombie and Fitch, well... And then the eternal question. Julie, are you okay? What do you say? Because most of the time, I was. Most of the time, I was just fine. I was almost done with high school. I was in love I was starting to realize what I wanted to do with my life. I don't like to talk about kale because to talk about kale is to reduce my life to one incident, to one night when I should have stabbed somebody in the dick. For want of a knife, right? But then the problem was this. I had seen enough of Hollywood to know I wasn't interested in it. Acting had never been a thing I deeply cared about. I liked it, I was good at it, but I wasn't passionate about it. It was just the path of least resistance. Julie, we need to pick your next project. Para ejemplar. I know you're having fun with your friends, but I was thinking about taking a few years off to go to school. What? Why? Don't you want me to get a college degree? Of course, but with your grades... With your money, I could get into any school. Our money won't buy you whatever you want. Won't it? The point is... Whatever. I applied to UCLA. I was accepted at UCLA. I'm going in the fall. Well, you could work some smaller parts in around... Maybe after a couple of years... Do you honestly think your father and I will allow you to throw away everything It's not your call, Mom. I didn't want this. You wanted it for me. Honey, did something happen? Did... (laughs) Because we can talk about it. I don't think we can. You're my shining jewel, sweetheart. Anything you want to talk about? Kale McPherson drugged me. He was going to rape me, but I escaped. A friend picked me up. I'm safe. I'm fine. It kind of soured me on acting. That's all. Oh, sweetie. So you see, right? I do. That was... That wasn't a very nice thing to happen to you. Wasn't a very nice thing? This is a thing you need to learn about this business, all right? Women don't... change the current. They float atop it. So I should just... Go along with I didn't wi- say that, did I? It was implied. This is a complicated business for a woman. For any woman. You were smart. You got out of there. I'm proud of you. And I'm proud that you didn't make yourself a nuisance afterward either. Mom! This is a fact of the business sometimes. It just is. And I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner. I hoped... 
I hoped your father's reputation would protect you. Like it did me. You married dad because people were scared of him. I married your father because I loved him. Mom, this is fucked up. You know it's fucked up. You know that- Take the summer off, dear. Guinevere will be out soon. You'll get that Oscar nomination and- Fuck you, Mom! You're so hostile lately. Guess I'm a nuisance after all. Just take the summer off. Don't throw your gift away because of one bad night. Jesus! And this friend who helped you? Who is she? Act three, scene three. A long-awaited dinner party. Ralph, so good to meet you. And flowers, my goodness, what a gentleman. So let me set the scene for you. The Capsum House was one of those old Hollywood palaces tucked up in the hills somewhere. Julie always said Gloria Graham had owned it at one time, but I didn't know who that was, so I just nodded. Ralph, Julie's told us a lot about you. Want something to drink? Uh, Water would be... Scotch it is. She wasn't there when I showed up. At least not at first. So it was just me and her parents watching me intently. But it felt like the whole house was watching me. Like I could sense I didn't have the money. Like I should have paid a $10,000 entrance fee just to be there. Uh, Julie's here, right? She's just in one of her moods. Locks herself in her room. Raids the liquor cabinet. Teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about me? So the thing Julie said earlier about her brains turning to Swiss cheese, this is that moment for me. Her on that staircase, dressed in pajamas, looking like dog shit. Like she'd forgotten I was coming over to meet them, even if I'd been talking with her about it just a few hours earlier. If it were the only thing I remembered about her, I'd take it. The gathering moved, as these things do, to the dining room. I think we just need to commit to the effort. We're too careful, too worried about what the Iraqis will think of us, when they should be in terror of us. You agree, Ralph? Uh, well, my brother's over there, so I guess I'd just rather have him back. And he will be back. His stint's almost over, and then he's doing vocational training to be a paramedic, God willing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, thank him for his service. What a brave boy. What do you know about it, Mom? I know. Ralph's brother is very brave, and... Fighting in a war your cronies all support because they'll lose nothing because of... Julie! Hey, Julie, it's it's fine. I'll let my brother know the mom from him and her. Oh, that would be wonderful. Following your brother into the army, then, Ralph. Uh, the Marines, and no, I have a scholarship to UCLA. No, that's where Julie's going. Surprise. So this is awfully quiet, and you can't see what's happening, so maybe I'll just tell you that Robert and Kathleen get these looks in their eyes, like they were communicating entirely through blue blood telepathy. I knew something bad was happening, but I didn't know what. Now, when I see Julie give our daughter that look, I know hell is coming. Absolutely not. Out of the question. What? This... this cannot happen. Sir, uh, 
Mr. Capsum, I, I, I love your daughter very much, and I, I promise I... You, you think this, this joke is going to be funny to anybody else, Julie? It's not a joke. And she reached over, and she took my hand, and hers was so cold and sweaty, and she was shaking, and I realized how scared she was of them. I didn't know how to tell her not to be, because I was too. Ralph is the love of my life. Dear, you're 18. You can't possibly know. Ralph is the love of my life. He saved me the night of Kale's party. Not this again. You had too much to drink. She was squeezing tighter and tighter and tighter, and I felt like my fingers might pop off. I knew I needed to say something, but also not what to say. Because I was 18, and I had just stumbled into the middle of a very old argument nobody wanted me to be a part of. Your own lack of responsibility. It wasn't my fault! None of it was! These things happen, Julia. They happen. Oh, they happen to you? Of course! Some men have no sense of decency, and you find a good one, and you let it go. Okay. Well, I found a good one. You found an opportunist. A vagrant. A bum. A drug dealer. Really, Julie? I'm not a... We've done quite enough digging into your record, Mr. Montgomery. You seem like a nice enough fellow. But you're not right for our daughter. This was it. The moment when I could have or should have or would have said something. But the way they were looking at me felt like a dog barking before an earthquake. The shit was rolling downhill fast. So she saved me. Again. You don't have a say. We have very much. No, Dad, you don't. It's my life and my choice and I choose Ralph. Not while you live under our roof, you don't. Then I'll move into the dorms. With what money? The money from acting. That is in a trust. Then I'll sell a spread to Playboy. I hear they pay well. Julie. I'm done with all of it. I'm done with the hypocrites and the fuckwads and the way everybody smiles at me but then spreads rumors behind my back. I want to be normal. I want to be normal with Ralph. And I would like that too. All right. Throw your life away. You want me to stand up for myself, Dad? Well, here I am. Fine. You can have your little tourist trip. That's all this is, honey. Tourism. And you should know that, Ralph. Julie will lose interest. She always does. I'll take that chance. (laughs) You, You might have some good times. But you are different. Very different. Do you think you know the first thing about how Julie lives, Ralph? Or how Ralph lives, Julie? This is all very well and good as some secret fling. But what happens the second the spotlight is on you, Ralph? When the question is, who is this strange boy Julie Capsum is with? This poor commoner. And then they'll dig. And they'll dig and dig and dig. Until they find out everything they can about you and you're all used up. And then... And then, only then, will Julie see who you are. This is doomed. I love your daughter. And I loved a girl at your age. She had no money either, or only little money. I really did think I loved her. But I realized I didn't. She drove her car off a bridge. Dad, Jesus! I'm not surprised by any of this, Julie. 
I am a little disappointed. Marcus, we're done here. Act 4, Scene 1. The Threat. This is Ralph. Mr. Montgomery, Robert Capson. Is this a bad time? No, sir, I'm, I'm just on my way to class. Good, good. Walking to your car? I am, I uh, just... A 1995 Toyota Corolla? Red? How did you... There's a man standing by the car, rather tall. That's my personal lawyer, Aaron Poins, and he is going to hand you some documents. I think I see him... Mr. Montgomery, good morning. Take a look at the documents, if you don't mind. What... what are these? Son, my wife and I appreciate what you've done for our daughter. Really, we do. And we understand that this feels, to the two of you, like love. That's powerful. But you're young, and this is a fling, and it must be a fling. Do you understand me, Mr. Montgomery? Mr. Capsum, all due respect, but this is not... I have copies of these documents, too, Ralph. I will not hesitate to point you out to the police as a drug dealer. I'm sympathetic to what young people must do to raise money for school. Really, I am. But not around my daughter. You need to leave my mother out of this. She's in this country illegally. When she married your father, she didn't think to get a green card? Or was that whole process too expensive? Well, it's no mine. I suppose... My friends in Washington... She didn't do anything. She had you, Mr. Montgomery. I'd advise you to stay away from my daughter. Thank you very much for hearing me out. Act 4, Scene 2. Tramps like us... Baby, we were born to run. The thing about a decision like the one we made is that there's no single cause. I suppose I could find a way to make the whole story about Kale, to say that I wanted to get away from him. And while, yes, I never wanted to see him again, I didn't need to put a whole continent between me and him to accomplish that. I just had to find a way out of the industry that kept forcing me into social situations with him. But I also can't make the whole story about my parents, as much as I probably should. The older I got, and the more I knew what I wanted, the harder they clamped down. But what teenager hasn't felt that way about their parents? My daughter will certainly feel that way about me someday. Except she won't put a whole continent between her and me. I hope. The last domino to fall, though was my father threatening Ralph. It wasn't that I was surprised. It was that I expected something like it to come. That the shoe had been hanging over me from the moment I met Ralph on that beach. And when it fell... So this is it? It's my mom, Julie. If it was just me, that... You can't go to jail. You can't ruin your life for something stupid Oh, like so this. this is something stupid? No. It's not. You know it's not. It's who I am. It's who I'll always have to be. What? It's that I'm Julie Capsum. That my name is Julie Capsum. What, what, what are you talking about? So, I'm five, right? And my parents and I go to Hawaii for vacation. We land in Honolulu super late at night, and I'm sure I'm cranky because what kid wouldn't be? This is the height of mom and dad and me and you and also that guy. 
so my mom is everywhere. She's the mother they always wanted, except she's actually my mom. And we're in the baggage claim area, and I don't know why I remember this so clearly, but my mom gets swarmed by people from the plane, and she doesn't want to sign the autographs, but she has to. And I'm there, at her feet, and I'm tired. I'm tugging at her shirt, trying to get her to pick me up, because I needed my mom. I don't even know why. Because you were five. Yeah, probably something stupid like that. That's not stupid. She leaned down to me and she said, Mommy can't be with you right now, Julie. Just give the people a big old smile. And I thought, okay, I guess that's who I am. I'm mom's kid. My mom loves me, I think. But she loves me as a prop. And my dad likes the idea of having an heir, even if the reality of it is more complicated than he'd like. I'm not me. I'm not anyone. I'm Julie Capsum. So, is the name the problem? It's that I can't outrun it. The name puts me in the room with Kale McPherson. It puts me alongside my parents on red carpets. It puts me on the cover of every tabloid when I so much as smoke a cigarette. It opens every door but the one to you. There will be another guy. No. My life is a mess of decisions other people made for me before I was even born. You are the first choice I've gotten to make for myself. Ever. And I'm fucking tired of having to listen to anybody else about who I'm supposed to be. Because if being me means I can't keep you, then... What if... This is what you say when you get a stupid idea. What if I wasn't me? Act 4, Scene 3. The Last Supper. Night before I left, Vince called me up and wanted to go out with me and Mark, have a good time. I tried to say no, but Vince... He has a way. Should I wake Mark up? Let him sleep. I like looking at him. like looking at a TV that's not plugged in. (laughs) You know what you're doing for the holidays? A hearty shrug? Uh, (laughs) Great. Going to see your parents? Oh, my parents are flying to New York to see my brother. One night in a hotel, 36 hours. Flying all three of us there was too expensive, so... (laughs) You got money from dealing, man. You you could just... No, my parents can't know about that. You're what? Visiting Santa's, Santa's Village? Santa Claus, Indiana. Oh. Mom's lifelong dream. What, what do they have there again? Like a like a ten story tall Rudolph. Worse, a theme park. Oh, please tell me there's like a, a tasteful nativity themed tilt a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, hey, did you ever do a Valentine, Nebraska? What? Oh, well, well, there's a town in Nebraska, Valentine, and every year you can send them a Valentine's card and they'll forward them on. A big red heart in the postmark. So so in second grade... You guys seriously didn't do this? Well, anyway, so, so my teacher had all of us kids make them for our parents or grandparents or whatever, and then she'd send them along. And so on Valentine's Day, what does my mom get but my handwriting and that big red heart postmark? Elaborate. <laughs> yeah, she thought it was cute. 
I mean, it is, to be fair, basically designed for moms. I think it's cute. Look, if I go to a town called Valentine, I, I won't be with my mom. Love her to death, but oh, I no, just... no, no, no. But well, not not Valentine. Uh, Santa Claus, Indiana, where, where you're going? I don't follow. I've got my parents' Christmas present in my trunk, overnight postage and everything. You you take it to Santa Claus, drop it at the post office, they postmark it, and my parents get a happy surprise in their New York hotel Christmas morning. You think they'll have the the heart postmark? Nah, just a big uh, big old Christmas tree. I check. Okay. Yeah, uh, cool. You're a really great guy, Ralph. Your parents are going to be so excited. Yeah, they will. Especially when they see you've gotten them... Wait. Wait, what's the gift? All the money I made dealing. So they can get out of Van Nuys. Get somewhere sensible. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just, it's socks. (laughs) Mom's got to have her socks. We should get him home. Yeah, probably. This is the first Christmas I won't spend with my parents. My mom's burnt to hell bacon wasn't good, but it was ours, you know. My dad getting drenched with sweat the second he steps outside, no matter how cold it is. My shirt immediately coming off. I'm just going to miss not having to open presents underneath the roller coaster. Or like this, right? This will be done someday. I won't be here. You won't be here. Things end. And it's sad. And inevitable, I guess. I guess. You remember this moment, Vince, right? The two of us? The three of us <laughs> here, and it's warm, and we're happy, and maybe a little sleepy, and... Wait, is this about Julie again? <sighs> maybe, maybe a little. <laughs> you gotta stop thinking about Julie, man. Tell you what. When I get back from Santa Claus, we'll have a whole week of break left. Take a trip up the coast. Get rid of that movie star hangover, Yeah. Come on, man. You, me, the car. Sure, yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. Can't wait. Boom. We'll make those bad memories disappear. And that was the last time I saw Vince. Act four, scene four. The answers you came for. (laughs) So, if you're listening to this damn thing, all you want to know is how we did it. So, I guess we'll tell you. After that day on the beach, the plan came together quickly. We'd stage a relationship for the cameras, one that had Julie's parents' approval because it would fall apart publicly and disastrously, thus satisfying their need for a scapegoat in the Why Has Julie Capson Lost Her Mind tabloid drama? The drug dealer boyfriend who got her hooked on his product and gave her a taste of the wildlife. (laughs) I'll give it to my mom. Her storyline would have worked. I got calls from great directors the week after the story broke. A-list. People you wouldn't believe. You should have taken the one from Sofia Coppola. She would have known how to use me. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is the part where you're going to think we're monsters. And we are. All the while, Julie is getting little bits of money out of her trust, staying on her parents' good side as much as she can to collect it. And you're... Right. 
I'm tanking my reputation as much as possible and setting up the world's greatest tabloid mystery. The Hollywood starlet who fled her ex-boyfriend's torso in her trunk. The car set on fire in Northern California. We had the spot picked out from the first. I'd been to the area before for an environmental science class, and on one of my hikes I found that cabin. And where the owner kept the spare key. So Natalie could wait for my car to come in range and call me. And run your car into a tree. How was that part? Not great. I imagine. The part I wish I could take back is the torso. Yeah. What the hell were we thinking? (laughs) We thought everybody needed to think we both were dead. And if I set the car on fire with a bunch of my blood in the nearby snow, and a body that was just close enough to yours, a charred husk in the trunk. Yeah, we probably could have just disappeared. Except my father would have come, relentlessly. Well, here's the thing you've probably realized by now that we realize almost too late. You can't tattoo a corpse. We knew planting Ralph's DNA on the dead body of a random homeless teenager found for us by Dr. Padilla. The rather stern Capsum family mortician you met several episodes ago. And an old family friend. Mm-hmm. I maybe told him I needed the body to escape a for real psycho stalker and he'd be saving my life. Whoops. <laughs> Very sorry about those waterworks, Francis. Anyway, we knew planting the DNA was a risk because it relied on the police just being like, oh, here's this very obvious pool of blood. Let's just take that instead of trying to draw a sample directly from the corpse. So instead, we made Ralph's DNA look like the corpse's by planting some of the hair in Ralph's hairbrush. You realize if they ever catch up to us. Yeah, I know. I do. I always tell myself we were dumb kids. That the kid was already dead, that nobody could identify him, that we were just uh, borrowing him. And we had waited so long at that point. Eighteen months. It felt like a Christmas miracle. Except now, I still think about Mark tattooing me and then the body, which he was weirdly nonchalant about. But Mark was you know, into some stuff with some people at the time. I just... Thought no one could possibly have bigger or weirder secrets than me. He was chuckling. Anyway, we did it like that. So the fact that the tattoo wasn't right on his skin would seem the same as me because I would still be bleeding from it. And how much I tried not to look at this other person, this stand-in for me. And I, I think we were very bad people. Maybe. But we did it. And the wigs from Guinevere... We didn't want to make the crime look too obvious. We wanted it to be big and dramatic because I was a dumb kid and pissed and everything I did had to be big and dramatic. So we needed an alternative fall guy. And, well, if anyone deserved to be hounded by cops and paparazzi for a few months, Kale was a perfect plan B. And his legacy would have been ruined. And maybe they'd even have found out his real crimes. Bye-bye, Mr. Great American Director. I think if I had actually set the car on fire... Hence all the cans of gas. There would have been no question about our fates. But Gerald stopped to help, and he saw me. And instead of setting everything up like I was supposed to, to suggest some sort of horrible murder-suicide that I had finally just snapped, I ran out of time and had to run into the woods to catch the helicopter. Which took you to Verona. And you... Mark got me passage on a container ship. I took the long way to you, but I got there. So, look, 
You know the hows and the whats and the whos and the whens. Are you happy? Do you have the closure you sought? We get it. Some of you are never going to think this was a good idea because it wasn't. (laughs) But we just wanted to be together. And we thought there was only one way to make that happen. So that's what we did. And a month later, I'm there at the bus station when he gets off the bus. And that's it. We're free. At least we were. Act 5, Scene 1. Fair Verona. Where we set our scene. Everything I do is spectacular, and your pitch was boring. Boring? A thoughtful, serious program on the legacy of the case. Pfft. It's an important, multifaceted... That's not what people want to hear. Did you know about this? Excitement. What? Arden? It's a, it's a podcast resolve. about us. I did. It's four episodes in. It's very popular, and it's... Relax. It's going to be fine. They're talking to Natalie. They're talking to a lot of people who know too much. These women are good, hun. It's been ten years. Ten years. If they can track us down... Mommy. Everything okay, sweetie? Come look at my picture. Mommy and Daddy are talking, okay? In a little bit. Those women could be right on top of us before we even know it. You need to stop being paranoid. We'd lose everything. You realize that, right? I do. Well, maybe we should move. If they find us here, they'll find us in Bangkok or Montreal then or Cape Town. Then we call somebody. We, we confess. We confess. It doesn't eat away at you? The, the guilt? The missing everyone? The year? The... You, you know that it does. Mom, it's a lady. I'm sure it's a beautiful drawing, honey. You want to lose her? To my father? You know that's what would happen. Sweetheart, you We know can that's... get through this. We got through everything else. But there's something about this one. It just... It pings me. You and me together, Right? Stronger than we look. Sooner or later, eventually, a pencil always breaks. It won't. We won't. The lady's at the door. Oh, hell, the cleaning lady. I forgot I, I forgot it was her day. Let her in, kiddo. It's just the cleaning lady. If we go down, at least we go down together. On our terms. Nobody else's. (laughs) I'm coming. Hello? Is anybody... Hi. Hi there, sweetheart. My name is Bia. Is your mommy here? There's not much to Arden was created by Emily Vanderwerf, Christopher Dole, and Sarah Golub. And this week's episode was written by Libby Hill and Emily Vanderwerf. Our recording engineer was Ernie Hurtado, and this episode was edited by Christopher Dole and Ernie Hurtado. Our composer is Chris Hatfield, and our logo is by Dylan Farr. The song Last Christmas was performed by Christopher Hatfield and Joel Barrios from the band Love Axe. Our cast is... Lindsay Zana. Robert Fleet. Lindsay Syme. 
Grant Patrizio, John Rail, Michelle Agresti, Tracy Syed, and this week's special guest stars are Jay Lee, Libby Hill, Julia Morizawa. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Our website is ardenpodcast.com. We're available on social media platforms as ArdenPod. Please follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. If you'd like to support the show, please consider visiting us on Patreon and dropping us a few dollars there. Arden is completely independent and self-funded, and your support would be much appreciated. You'll also get access to exclusive minisodes and more content. Come back next week for more adventures in the world of Arden. Thank you, and good night. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's a tale of learning and healing. We've got a whole province going to see one overworked witch in a candy cottage that's been chewed to pieces by the local kids. Of fairies and magic. You're touching the sapphire of assessment! I'm not touching it! I'm just putting my head near it as I focus my brainial waveforms on it. Stop it! I'm not even touching it! Of struggle against the odds. This is my team. They may not live up to your vision of a perfect, efficient department. They don't live up to my vision of a stampede in a barnyard. Ooh, kingly. That's how you know it's working. And now, it returns at last. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, Season 2. Alba Salix, Royal Physician, from Fable and Folly. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts or look us up at fableandfolly.com.